When I was feeling at my lowest, Randy, I, right before I thought about doing the worst possible thing to myself, I stopped and I picked up the phone and I called my father. And he didn't know about the pain I had suffered. I tried to shield him from my depression. And as soon as I talked to my dad, I was assured that somebody loved me and that I was so much more than what people thought of me on camera. Hi there and welcome into a brand new week of Celebrity Salute. Dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. You know Lisa Guerrero. She's an American journalist, actress, former sportscaster, artist, and model. She's been in Playboy magazine, and since 2006, she has been an investigative correspondent for the nationally syndicated news magazine, Inside Edition. She has a brand new book out that is just incredible, Warrior, My Path to Being Brave where she talks about some very, very candid subjects. We're so happy to have great veteran supporter Lisa Guerrero with us here on Celebrity Salute. Lisa, how are you? I'm so well. Thank you, Randy. Are you are you tired of talking about yourself yet? You know what? It's so funny that you say that because when you write a memoir, of course, you spend years researching and I pulled up tapes and, you know, writing about myself and editing it, changing it, updating it. And now I'm promoting the book. So it's when I'm done promoting this book, I don't think I'm going to look in a mirror or think about <laughs> myself for 10 years. I was going to say, you know, that's the one thing that goes along with writing a memoir, right? And, and so many things, Lisa. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, uh, first of all, I'm just I'm such a, uh, a huge fan of Inside Edition and your work. And especially, I mean, the way, the way that you've gone after people. I remember the Kenneth Copeland investigation that you talk about ringing a guy out. I mean, you know, that was sensational. But so many things I did not know from your book. I didn't realize that you were a a Monday Night Football sideline reporter and that that was one of the most horrible things in your life, right? Well, well, I don't blame you for not remembering it because it only lasted one year in 2003. And um, it was an overwhelming experience. I had never done sidelines before. I had been a sportscaster for 10 years and an anchor, but I had never done NFL sidelines. So to do a job for the first time ever in front of 40 million people was daunting. But I was also, um, you know, really heavily criticized that year. And people said, you know, she's just a cheerleader. Why did they give her the biggest job in sports? completely ignoring a decade of sportscasting. So, you know, I came under a lot of heavy scrutiny. I had a lot of criticism, and I made a mistake on the opening regular season game that I quickly corrected on the air, but it was too late. The damage was done, and people called me a bimbo. They said I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was talking about, and I was fired after one season. Well, that became a very painful part of my life, and in fact, I considered suicide yeah. the yeah. year after that because I was so depressed over it. So my book, Warrior, talks about how I turned pain into power and how I rebranded myself and re-envisioned myself as a storyteller. And I decided that what I wanted to do was investigative journalism 
to help other people that had had traumatic experiences as well. Yeah, you know, and Lisa, credit to you because uh, a lot of people (laughs) at that point, uh, being as low as you were in terms of uh, even, you know, considering suicide, would have never gotten back into media, much less uh, investigative journalism. What was it for you that kind of turned things around then? When I was feeling at my lowest, Randy, I, right before I thought about doing the worst possible thing to myself, I stopped and I picked up the phone and I called my father. And he didn't know about the pain I had suffered. I tried to shield him from my depression. And as soon as I talked to my dad, I was assured that somebody loved me. And that I was so much more than what people thought of me on camera. And he said, Lisa, there's a bigger world out there for you. You don't have to be on the sidelines giving injury updates on somebody's groin (laughs) in the NFL game. You know, you, you are a storyteller. You know, there's a bigger world out there than sports. And he convinced me to reach out and to talk to a therapist, which I did. And, you know, here we are 20 years later, and I can tell you that the smartest thing I've ever done in my life was to be weak enough to ask for help. Wow, uh, that's a big message. And Lisa, this was before, I mean, this was back in uh, Al Michaels' John Madden days on, on Monday Night Football. So this is before social media. Can you imagine, can yeah. you imagine what it would be like today? No, and I, I think of that often, you know, because I don't think I would have made it. The cruelty that you see online is it's really vile. And I feel like, you know, one of my messages is we need to understand that there's somebody on the receiving end of all of that trolling and all of that, right. you know, negativity. And, you know, it's, it's really important to know that that person is, is receiving those messages and that can have devastating consequences somebody. We're all human beings and we need to lead with empathy, not cruelty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's why this book is so important, too, because you talk about inspiring people that have been hit with that. And it's just uh, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. But I, I, let's talk about some other things in, in your career, too, because before you, you landed uh, Monday Night Football and sportscasting, you were a former NFL cheerleader for the Rams. How was that experience? Oh, my goodness. Well, it was wonderful. It was the 80s, of course. So I tried out when I was 19, and 1,300 women tried out for seven open spots. And it was just a dream to be an NFL cheerleader because, you know, I didn't grow up with a mother. I had no sisters. So this was my first opportunity to bond with other women and to share a sisterhood. And so that's what I took away from that. And, you know, here I am decades later, I'm still best friends with all those women. We don't cheer for a football team anymore. We cheer for each other. And it was just really an incredible experience. However, there was misogyny, obviously. And, you know, here we were working for a multi-million dollar football team and we were getting paid $25 a game. Right. So there, there were a lot of things that were problematic about being an NFL cheerleader. And some of those things still exist today, which is another reason why I wrote the book. In fact, uh, you're one of the inaugural inductees for the Pro Football Cheerleader <laughs> Hall of Fame. That's fantastic. I didn't even know that existed. It's 
just started last year. Um, I got, I was contacted saying, um, you know, hey, did you realize that you've been nominated for, you know, the NFL Cheerleader Hall of Fame? And I, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even know there was one, but I didn't know it because it just started and I'm in the inaugural class. So, That's fantastic. Um, there's six of us. And so it's just, it's such a dream come true. Can you imagine? I'm a Hall of Famer, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've always been a Hall of Famer in my book. I mean, and I want to talk to you about just a couple of other things in the book here. Man, you're so, uh, you're so candid and I give you so much credit for that because it's a, uh, it's a tough thing to do. Uh, tell me about the time that you uh, sued Patriots owner Robert Kraft and won. Yeah, so I was, after I was a Rams cheerleader, I became a cheerleader director and choreographer, first for the Atlanta Falcons for three years, and then I moved to the New England Patriots for three years. And in my final season, Robert Kraft bought the team. So I, you know, re-interviewed, and of course he rehired me, and I started to work, but I started to work for his son, Jonathan Kraft, who was also my age, 29 at the time. Hmm. And we really clashed. He wanted the cheerleaders to be in sexier costumes. Um, you know, he wanted them to do a bikini calendar. And I said, no, I think the cheerleaders should wear their uniforms. So anyway, we clashed. And um, finally, Jonathan Kraft asked me, uh, he said he wanted to see my playlist, my music list for the season. And when I turned it over, he asked me to take the black music off my playlist. What? And I was shocked. Yeah, I was, I was, I mean, believe me, back then, and we're talking about MC Hammer, Prince, sure. Michael Jackson, Aretha Franklin, you know, p- people love that. Everybody loves that music, yeah. regardless of your race. But, but he said, look up in the stands. You don't see any white, you don't see any black faces up there. So he asked me to take that music off. I refused. I turned in the same playlist the next day and I was fired. So I sued the Patriots and Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft for wrongful termination, and I won. Wow, oh my gosh. If there, was, if there was ever a way to hate Robert Kraft more. <laughs> I mean, you just... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was, a, it, was a, it was quite a crazy experience. And, you know, of course, Jonathan denied that he ever said that to me. But, you know, why else would they have fired me? I was doing a great job, you know, as I always had for the previous years. There was no reason to fire me suddenly and let go. But you know what? The uh, the judge found for me and they had to write me a check. So there you go. <laughs> That's fantastic. And then really, that was kind of your entree into investigative journalism. I mean, that, that was chasing a bad guy down right then, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the first time I pushed back against power. And I think you know that the best journalists always, you know, they, they, they look at the powerful people and they say, okay, are you hurting other people? Are you marginalizing others? Is there a way to help, you know, people fight back against oppression? And I know that sounds like a very big, daunting task, but in small ways, journalism can do that. And reporters should always be advocating for victims and for survivors of scams and crimes. Yep. And so because I had that early experience, I felt like, okay, this is something I want to continue on later in my career. 
Well, and Lisa, why that is so important to our audience, our audience is comprised of mainly active duty military veterans and their families. And as you know, I mean, PTSD is is such a real thing. And so, uh, you know, that's why I I love the message of this book. And the other things you talk about in, in Warrior, My Path to Being Brave. You talk about you, you uh, launched an inside edition investigation that led to the conviction of a child murderer the police had given up searching for, and you also made Dennis Rodman cry, right? <laughs> yes, not on purpose, but I called him out um, during a press conference because he was disrespectful of our time. He showed up late to a press conference that he called. He said he was going to make an announcement on whether or not he was going to sign with the Lakers. And, you know, we all showed up for this press conference. He was late. He was arrogant. And I stood up and I called him selfish. And I ranted about the disrespect. And he was shocked that here's this girl in a little pink suit, you know, pointing out that he was, selfish and he yelled at me and then started crying and stormed off and it it actually made my name for me in sports casting and i became from then on the girl that made dennis rodman cry so it was astonishing it's in the book all these stories are in the book and they're really unbelievable but i promise you you can you can google these things and find out right right no i love it and you were also the first reporter to ask barry bonds on camera if he'd ever used steroids Correct. Well, you know, obviously, I think that, you know, we we all believed that he did. But I don't think anybody was brave enough to ask him that on camera because he's an extremely intimidating person in real life. And I was the first person um, to get this massive sit down interview with him when I was on Fox Sports Net on a show called The Best Damn Sports Show, period. I was able to sit down with him for 20 minutes, we thought it was a 20 minute interview, but it went so well that I ended up talking to him for an hour and a half. Oh, wow. And I asked him if he had done steroids. Now, he, he, he said he didn't. He said he, you know, only took creatine and supplements. I remember so that. Yeah. Steroids. Yeah. That was, that was my interview. Oh, wow. You, you've had some fantastic highs and lows. I can't wait to to read this book. It's called Warrior, My Path to Being Brave. Lisa Guerrero, uh, number one, uh, thank you for your work and thank you for uh, writing this book. It's going to impact a lot of people. And Randy, can I just say to your audience, I am so thankful for your service. I'm thankful to your dedication to our country. And thank you for your family members that support you so that you can defend us and protect us. And I am so thankful for our armed services and for all of you that keep us safe. I love you and I'm here for you. And please read my book. And I hope it resonates with, with some of you who may be under some stress and, and depression. I want you to read my book. You've been listening to Celebrity Salute. Celebrity Salute is produced by Brainstorm Media and distributed by National Defense Network with host Randy Miller and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us at nationaldefensenetwork.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also say, Alexa, play the National Defense Network podcast.